The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here's your top five at five. What happened in Baltimore? J&J firing back after one of its hired labs ruined 15 million doses of its COVID-19 vaccine. The governor of Georgia hitting back at companies and executives calling out the state's new voting laws. President Biden unveiling his new $2 trillion spending plan and higher corporate tax proposal. And questions still remain about whether your taxes are going to move up. Stocks overall look set to kick off one of their best months for the markets, and they are higher. And Elon Musk adding one more title to his resume, this time in the entertainment business. It's no April Fool's. But it is Thursday, April 1st, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get right to it. Hit the markets and your money kicking off the first day of April and the first day of the second quarter. And stock futures are higher. Look at that. Dow futures up 101. NASDAQ futures, big tech, looking even better. Remember, April, one of, if not the historically top months for the market. A lot of talk about rotation. By the way, first day of the fiscal year for many mutual funds as well. And we are seeing stock futures respond. Major averages all coming off their fourth positive quarter in a row. Been a lot of volatility, but overall, we have been up now for a fiscal year, four quarters in a row, four stocks. The standout, as we have been highlighting now since all the way back last July, remains small caps. The Russell 2000 index surging over the last nine months and up some 12.5% only since January 1st, up much more than that going back when we first started talking about it last summer. Well, despite yesterday's move higher in technology, one dominating theme over the last couple of months anyway has been that well-known rotation out of growth, out of tech, and into so-called value plays. The iShares Russell Growth ETF gaining less than a percent this year, while the iShares Russell Value ETF showing more value, it is up more than 10%. By the way, A lot of potentially market-moving data out on this last trading day of the month. Remember, the markets are closed tomorrow for Good Friday, even though we do have the monthly jobless number out at 8.30 and Squawk Box will be live. Anyway, today we get jobless claims out, the the weekly jobless claims, not the monthly number one tomorrow at 8.30, manufacturing at 9.45, ISM at 10 o'clock. So a lot of data today, bond and stock markets closed tomorrow, could be volatile toward the end of today. Watch out. All right, around the world, Asia starting off its quarter on a high note as well. All major averages 
ending in the green overnight. Look at that. The Hang Seng up nearly 2%, and Europe just getting its trading day started. Kind of a similar story as well. We are seeing more green on the screen in Europe. In fact, pretty much green all around the world today, even after France rolling out a fresh four-week COVID lockdown due to their slow vaccination rollout and rising cases. All right, speaking of that, now to your top story. Millions of ruined doses. J&J responding to reports that millions of doses of its COVID-19 vaccine have been spoiled by error at a Maryland lab. Bertha Coombs is here now with that troubling story and more of your top story headlines this morning. Bertha, good morning. Good morning, Brian. Yeah, that's right. The New York Times is reporting that human error at a manufacturing plant in Baltimore run by Emergent Biosolutions led to the destruction of approximately 15 million doses of Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine. Now, the Times says the mix-up has delayed future shipments of the doses in the U.S. while the FDA investigates. In a statement, J&J says its quality control standards help identify the batch that did not meet its standards, and that batch was never advanced to the finishing stages of the manufacturing process. That error does not affect any of the doses that are currently being delivered and used nationwide, including shipments that states are counting on for next week. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp responding to the corporate backlash against the New York Uh, the new and controversial voting legislation he signed into law, one that civil rights advocates say disproportionately hurts voters of color. Speaking on Closing Bell yesterday, Kemp said the law takes nothing away from residents and that he's ready for a lengthy debate. Folks like Mr. Frazier and Mr. Chenault, who I have good respect for, uh, they don't live here. They don't even know what the laws are in Georgia. And quite honestly, Our laws are not as restrictive as their own states where they're residing, so perhaps they should focus in other places. If they want to have a debate about the merits and the facts of the bill, then we should do that. But I haven't seen any point that they're making now that would cause me any reservation that that we're taking away something here. Kemp referring to Ken Chenault and uh, 72 black leaders and executives, including Merck's Ken Frazier and Vista Equity Partners' Robert Smith, two of Georgia's largest employers, are speaking out as well against the bill. Delta's Ed Bastian says it does not match his company's values. Coke adds it opposes the measures as it seeks to diminish voter access. And Frontier Airlines pricing its IPO at the bottom of its expected range of 19 to 21 dollars late yesterday. According to Bloomberg, the company's 30 million shares sold at 19 dollars each, giving it an expected valuation of about four billion dollars. Frontier begins trading on the New York Stock Exchange today. Brian. All right, Bertha Coombs. Bertha, we'll see you in a few minutes. Thank you very much. Well, now to the Washington and the White House, where President Biden is set to convene his first full cabinet meeting as commander in chief. It's just one day after rolling out plans for a new two trillion dollar spending bill focused on infrastructure. NBC's Tracy Potts joining us now from D.C. with details on that and more as we see a a beautiful shot of the Capitol and, and the White House behind you. Tracy, good morning. 
And let's hope they can stay beautiful. Let's hope that relationship can connect when they start talking about this infrastructure bill, Brian, because while the president is saying it's big and bold and it needs to happen now, we're already seeing uh, some lawmakers on Capitol Hill worry that it could plunge this country much further into debt. The Biden cabinet meets for the first time today, 25 people in person and socially distanced to hear how they can support the president's new infrastructure plan. The largest American jobs investment since World War II. $2.2 trillion spending billions on transportation, broadband, the power grid, manufacturing, senior care, green energy, and clean water. It seems less about infrastructure, more about tax increases, and more about the Green New Deal. Biden's promising millions of new jobs paid for by raising corporate taxes to 28 percent. Members of Congress have two choices. They can either say they don't want to invest in the infrastructure, or they can come up with their own way to pay for it, and we're open to that. The sales pitch on Capitol Hill will be tough. Republicans think it's too expensive. Progressives say it's not enough. So we'll continue to watch what happens with that meeting today. Afterwards, though, Brian, uh, these new cabinet members are going to be fanning out across the country trying to sell this plan to the public. NBC's Tracy Potts in D.C. Tracy, thank you. We'll see you soon. Take care. All right, let's get back down to the markets and your money, where investors are grappling with the huge swing that we have seen in the last couple of weeks. Work from home stocks, they've been mostly fired from portfolios, while big, boring old industrials start to take off. And your next guest says that's likely to continue. And don't think plastics, Mrs. Robinson. Think pipelines. Joining us now is Medley Global Advisors, Managing Director of Global Macro Strategy, Ben Evans. Ben, good to see you again. You think this, this, this move into, I mean, in, industrials, companies that make stuff, a lot of stuff we don't even want to think about, they've been red hot. That's going to continue? Morning, Brian. Yeah, I think it will continue. Look at the manufacturing data today in Europe, for example. Right? We're now really coming in a major bounce because we were a year ago in a, in a significant collapse. So as the economy really picks up this quarter, the industrial sector will get, as you say, hot. And so I cannot see that really cool off too much in what you're seeing in the Dow Jones industrials, for example, or any kind of broad industrial ETFs. But we're also entering the quarter with significant anticipation on the reopening. It's happening. And I think that is leading us to a potential new rotation as the segment lead in. There's infrastructure plans building, maybe politically a challenge for a number of months, but we can expect some sort of infrastructure. So I think you also want to start looking at part of the industrial side, the infrastructure side. And there's broad exposure to be taken there and say, if I ETF, for example, as, a, as an idea. Yeah, and, and, and you... Also, maybe you want to take a look at, according to, you know, you and your, I read your daily note. It's very good, by the way, at companies that, you know, we talk about, you know, returning to work and everybody's sort of like, well, it's going to be hybrid, whatever. Listen, in five years, three years, things are going to be very different. I mean, all this work from home stuff, it's going to change. We got to look at the markets and the stocks that we can't even sort of comprehend, right, right now, like Europe, but they're going into new lockdowns. That's kind of when you want to buy, is it not? Absolutely. I think actually, you know, you could think of Europe's strategy as in, okay, with locking down and it's a very like restrictive policy on the economy, 
But yet, Europe is going to get a significant flood of vaccine too, and they're going to get their rollout. So it may become a really interesting timing here to look at European leisure hospitality that has seen a bit of a, of a decline of the last number of weeks where people got worried about the, you know, that they had a, a delay of the reopening. I think actually that's where the value is. So yes, you want to get some exposure in that sector too, because Europe, you know, with all its political uh, challenges, it does have a lot of recovery ahead of it too. It's actually lagged other parts of the world, and yet it has a big rollout of vaccines coming. Are there parts of the market, Ben, you want to sell? We always ask about what to buy. I should probably say, what do we sell to raise the money to buy the stuff that we want to buy? What is over and done with? Yeah, that's a challenging question, always, Brian, because you want to stay optimistic, and you know, a lot of there's a lot of value out there. Um, you know, the one sector that hasn't done well over the past quarter is, of course, in bonds, because you know, the economy gets stronger, so interest rates are rising. I don't expect yields to start declining as much just yet. Um, so you don't want to be really too focused on bonds still, in this, in this, at least in the start of this quarter. Um, but I also think that, for example, on the technology side, there's value there again because there is you know, good companies like Microsoft, IBM that have you know, significant amount of profit. I think that's good exposure, mm-hmm. but maybe like the real high-flying technology continues to be, yeah, that's sort of run its course, right? The reopening is, is happening. It will be continued rotation out of technology into reopening. Yeah, certainly closer to, reop- or closer to reopening than closing, at least here, maybe not in parts of Europe yet, but they'll get there with the vaccines. Ben Emmons, Medley Global Advisors. Ben, good to see you. Have a great long weekend. Thank you. Thank you. All right, we are just getting started. And when we come back, wings, batteries, and jeans. A rundown of your top big money movers next. Plus, will the Saudis keep showing some love to American oil companies? OPEC meets today. Halima Croft is here to break down what we could expect. And then, why Miley Cyrus says nothing is more important than investing in yourself. And now she's helping fans accomplish that goal. A very busy hour still ahead as Worldwide Exchange returns right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.
All right, well, welcome back. And by the way, welcome to the second quarter. You saw those names. I mean, if you owned Walgreens, Intel, or a few others, congrats. If you owned Apple, well, maybe not the first quarter that you would certainly hope for. A lot of big Dow winners there. The dogs of the Dow roaring back in the first 90 days of 2021. All right, right now it is time for a quick hit to your big three stock stories of the day. Are you ready? I am. Let's go. Stock one, Wingstop. Same store sales jumping nearly 20%. Digital sales soaring more than 60% as more of us just sat home and ate hordes of chicken wings over the last couple of months. Stock two, QuantumScape. Who? Exactly. It's a maker of batteries. And they say they have met a technical milestone that was a condition for an additional investment of $100 million from Volkswagen. VW's U.S. business already invested $100 million in the company. Look at that. QuantumScape up 13.5%. And stock three is Guess. The company, Guess. We're not asking a question. The fashion brand reporting better than expected fourth quarter earnings. Company not providing guidance for the first quarter or the full year, citing still uncertainty. But you don't have to guess. The stock is up in extended hours 7%. Year-to-date, up 11%. All right, on deck, a story that you have got to hear. Well, the White House talking about raising taxes to raise money. The federal government may be losing nearly $100 billion a year of your money in unemployment fraud. Eamon Javers with that story next. Today's big number, $140 trillion. That's how much UBS estimates will be spent on decarbonizing the world's energy supply by 2050. UBS believes clean energy needs to top 55% of total consumed to achieve net zero emissions, up from 15% today. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, No one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Well, if you missed that chart, you would not be a fool in the rain if you had bought some of those semiconductor stocks now, would you? They have done very well in the first quarter while the stay-at-home stocks like Peloton, everybody just wants to get out again like me and our next guest who can't wait to get back to Vienna and the Wiener Wurstel. It's an inside joke. OPEC meeting today and hopes are high among American producers that the group will not raise output all of the new lockdowns in Europe and rising demand here in the U.S. It is a delicate balance. Let's talk more about all of this with our friend Halima Croft as well. And Halima, the 
the first the first round of that that bad stuff on the the little takeout shop across the street from OPEC HQ, the Vinaversal, is on me when we get back, and and we will. But for day for now, we got to deal with the virtual stuff. What do you expect? You expect that Abdulaziz and the Saudis will will stay uh, generous, stay the shall we say? To well, yeah, do they, you think they're going to keep their cuts? I mean, my base case, they're going to keep their cuts. I mean, I think they're very concerned about the demand outlook, the new lockdown restrictions in Europe. I'm concerned about the whole issue with the vaccine rollout in Europe. But that said, you mentioned U.S. producers. We have reports that the U.S. Energy Secretary did make a call to his Royal Highness asking for, you know, stable, reliable, affordable energy. We also know that several other producers are pushing for a production increase. Russia is again calling for an increase. You have countries like Iran ramping up. Iraq, you know, overproducing. So is there a potential that Abdelaziz basically says, I will give you all what you want, and we return to the tapering schedule and we put more barrels on the market? Not our base case, but it's not off the table either. Something unusual happened yesterday. Now, yesterday was there. They have this. It's called the JMMC. Our viewers are like, huh? It's the technical meeting ahead of the real meeting today. And the Iraq representative and Abdul Aziz of Saudi were next to each other, sort of appeared together. I mean, is this a sign that the Iraqis are sort of the serial cheating Iraqis in terms of output are coming in line or kind of the Saudis flexing a bit and saying, hey, Iraq, get in line? Get it together? No, we call it the contrition tear. So typically before an OPEC meeting, a country that is overproducing <laughs> might find themselves sitting next to his royal highness, having to account for their overproduction and promising to get their act together. It was Iraq's turn yesterday. It should be noted that the Iraqi you know, prime minister was also in Saudi Arabia, so it's a larger visit from Iraq to Saudi Arabia. But that said, the Iraqi oil minister, again, he had to basically say, I'll do better going forward. But again, you know, our base case is that they roll this thing over, but we are cognizant that there are a number of producers who are looking to benefit from price and volume. So we think all options are on the table going into this meeting. And we just have to see, you know, is there an upside surprise that you've seen at meetings where Abdelaziz says, I'll do a little more, or is he going to surprise us the other way? He very much likes to keep us guessing to the final moments when we're all sitting in that Hollywood Square's press conference. Yeah, Hollywood's going to be like 90 of us in those boxes later on today, Halima. Overall, though, it's weird. You've got more actually gasoline sales in America yesterday outstripped that of a year ago for the first time ever. More in terms of price, not in terms necessarily of of quantity. But France is going into a new three or four week lockdown. How do you see the balance of global demand right now? Well, I mean, the U.S., if you're looking at the U.S. market, you're going to be thinking that it's going to be positive for oil. I mean, U.S. gasoline demand is such a big component of overall oil demand, and that's looking like it's going to be very healthy. So if you are an oil optimist, you point to the United States. You also point to Asia and say, okay, we had some, you know, refinery maintenance, which caused some softness in China, but they're going to be coming out of maintenance. So we can be optimistic about the market. If you're Alexander Novak, the you know Russian deputy prime minister who still manages OPEC, he points to those metrics. If you are going to be cautious, though, you look at what's happening in Europe. 
with the new lockdowns. You might pay attention to what the CDC director said when she was warning about a potential another surge in the United States. So, you know, it's a balance. How do you balance the risk? So again, I think they're going to roll over, but there's part of me that has to think that Abdel Aziz is thinking about when do we start bringing these OPEC barrels back onto the market? Well, you listen, he surprised us at the last meeting, Halima. We're going to find out later on today as well. I will, quote, see you in that Hollywood Square virtual box <laughs> later on today. Thank you. Halima, I'll see you. All right. See you later. Literally, I will see you later. Halima Croft of RBC Capital Markets, always the best. Halima, thank you very much. All right. You never thank know. You. Listen, Abdul Aziz likes surprises. Maybe he throws more barrels in the market and oil collapses. We're going to find out. Anyway, coming up. A political reality or political unicorn breaking down the more than $2 trillion Biden spending proposal. What's in it and how corporate taxes may be going up. Plus, if you have not already subscribed to our podcast, it is called Worldwide Exchange. And check us out on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher and other podcasting apps. And if you missed it last night, CBC taking a closer look economic and social challenges facing many in the Amer- Asian American community right now. A new race and opportunity in America special. Speaking with some of the most influential voices and names in the business world, here is Box CEO Che Wong on leadership as an Asian American. Being at big companies before, when you kind of look up and, and kind of see people who no, no one in leadership positions looking like you, uh, you realize that, wait, you question yourself, are, are, am I playing a rigged game? Am I playing something that uh, there's going to be no winner uh, that looks like me? Um, and so really breaking out uh, and going straight to the top by starting uh, our own company and starting my own company has been one of the ways that I've, I've kind of shortcut to the top. Uh, it's hard work, but now being at the top, I think it does set that tone. The president rolling out his new road and bridges plan. The cost, more than $2 trillion. Company taxes likely set to rise. But will your taxes be going up as well? We'll lay out the details. A new hurdle in the vaccine race. As J&J says, nearly 15 million doses of its vaccine destroyed due to human error. And it's a party at the NYSE. The million-dollar move Miley Cyrus is making get more of you into investing. It is Thursday, April 1st, and this is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, welcome or welcome back, everybody. 531 here on the East Coast. Hope you're having a great start to your day. A reminder, the markets are closed tomorrow for Good Friday. So happy Thursday. Here's how your money and investments look as we are right now halfway through our 5 a.m. hour stock futures. They are higher indeed. In fact, technology futures, look at the NASDAQ. Tech futures up 136%. I mean, it's been weak. What's changed besides the calendar? Well, maybe nothing but the calendar, but that might matter. Because remember, if, you, if you're with friends tonight and someone says, what's the best month of the year for the stock market historically? You're going to say, hey, it's April. That's right. April, historically, the best month to buy stocks. Over the last couple of decades, the averages tend to gain about 2% in the month of April. Kind of a fresh start, a lot of, 
new buying by fiscal years, mutual funds, etc. Now, of course, that's history. Doesn't mean markets will rise this year. Every year is different, but we're up 15 of the last 20 Aprils. So if history is any guide, and it, it tends to be, this could be a very good month for stocks. And we're not, we're not fooling around. Well, speaking of stocks, it is time now for a special holiday shortened week edition of our Insider Buying Exclusive, where we look at companies with the most buying of their own stock by corporate insiders. All the data coming via insiderscore.com with our thanks. And because the week itself is short, we're going to shorten this one too as well and bring you the top three stocks where we've seen the most insider buying. And a reminder, these names that we've brought to you for the last, I don't know, whatever, six months have been generally outperforming the overall markets. So pay attention. Are you ready? All right, let's go. The third biggest insider buying this week took place at a company called Green Brick Partners. It is a $1.5 billion market cap Dallas-based home builder focused on the hot states of Texas, Florida, Georgia, and Colorado. A director there buying $430,000 worth, his largest purchase yet. Note that another insider had a big buy last week as well. Second most insider buying this week, Vizio Holdings. That's right. This is the TV maker based in California. A board member there buying $735,000 worth of VZIO. And the biggest insider buy this week, by far, was a huge $12.5 million buy by designer brands chairman Jay Schottenstein. This is the owner of companies like Steinmart and DSW Shoe Warehouse. So really a big bet on retail by the very rich chairman of designer brands. So there you go. Your top three insider buy stocks this week focused on housing, throw in a TV, and buy yourself some new shoes in your new house while you're watching TV. All big bets on the consumer. There you go. By the way, I'm off next week, so the insider buy will return on Friday the 9th. We'll see you then for it, but of course we'll see you before that on Worldwide Exchange, but you get the idea. All right. Now, to the latest on that huge vaccine mix-up involving Johnson & Johnson. And mix-up may be a very nice term. Bertha Coombs has more on that. Some of your other top stories this morning. Really a uh, kind of a sad story out of that lab, Bertha, on the vaccine. Yeah, Brian, mistakes happen, but this one with very big consequences. The New York Times reporting that human error at a manufacturing plant in Baltimore run by Emergence Biosolutions led to the destruction of approximately 15 million doses of Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine. Remember, that is the full dose, one shot. The Times says the mix-up has delayed future shipments of the doses in the U.S. while the FDA investigates. In a statement, J&J says its quality control standards helped identify the batch that did not meet its standards and the batch was never advanced to the finishing stages of the manufacturing process. Still, the error uh, is going to affect future doses. It doesn't affect any doses currently being delivered and used nationwide, including shipments that states are counting on for next week. Google is planning to ramp up efforts to reopen its offices. CNBC has confirmed the company's employees will start coming back to offices in a limited capacity starting this month, adding it will put limits on remote work starting in September. 
and Compass raising $450 million in its downsized initial public offering. The SoftBank-backed real estate tech firm sold shares at $18 apiece, down from its initial target of $23 to $26. Shares will begin trading on the New York Stock Exchange today under the simple COMP, C-O-M-P. I believe it's the NYSE. We'll watch that later on. Brian? Either way, we've got an actual IPO and not a SPAC. It's kind of amazing, Bertha. Exactly, exactly. Didn't price quite the way they they thought, but, you know, some of these look, have looked a little frothy to start out with. Yeah, well, at least it priced, so we'll give them that. Bertha Coombs, thank you. See you in a bit. All right, well, speaking of buying things, President Biden hopes you and maybe some wavering Democrats buy into his new two-plus trillion dollar spending and infrastructure plan. Now, there's a lot in the proposal. You probably don't want to read it, so that's why we're here. We made it simple. Here's how that record spending plan would break down on a very macro level. Road, bridges, and other transportation-related items getting about $621 billion. The Make in America tax credit to encourage domestic manufacturing about $480 billion. Home and community services, about $400 billion. Various housing incentives, $213 billion. And water, broadband, and education, $211 billion. That is the spending side. Now, to pay for it, the president proposing a host of new tax increases on U.S. businesses. They are as follows. Raising the corporate tax rate back to 28% from 21% raising taxes on overseas profit, a new minimum tax on so-called book income for corporations, ending most, if not all, fossil fuel tax subsidies, and cutting down on offshore deductions. The plan, by the way, would also include the Protecting the Right to Organize Act that would make it easier for workers to start and join unions. And it was quiet and any planned jump in individual tax and family rates That was not mentioned in the president rollout. We just got corporate taxes, nothing on the individual side just yet. So let us dive into what we do know with Andy Blocker, head of U.S. government affairs at Invesco. Andy, uh, thank you very much for joining us. You've got, you know, a couple of Democrats who are saying, "Eh, let's be careful on the tax side. They mostly come from blue states. Joe Manchin of West Virginia, he may hold a lot of the cards along with Kristen Sinema. Do you think the plan, as we know it, will pass? Well, Brian, great to be back with you. I think you're asking the right question. So first of all, unlike the COVID-19 package, which pretty much passed as Biden proposed it, um, this is a proposal. It is just that. And so even Biden's, uh, all of his uh, spokespersons have said, look, we want Congress to work this through. Um, They're going to work closely with them because they understand that while 80 percent of the American people favor infrastructure, um, they when you get in the details, it gets a little tricky, especially when you talk about how you pay for it. Yeah, corporate taxes. Now, I will say this, Andy, the corporate tax rate proposal, 21 to 28, 21 was brought big time down by Trump. It won't be 28, will it? I mean, even if that does pass. You've got certain tax incentive, Make of America tax credit. The stuff that I've been reading from smart folks like yourself and others suggest that it would probably be more like 25 or 26 percent effective once certain tax credits are thrown back in. How do you see if this passes, Andy, 
How do you see sort of the ultimate tax rate playing out? So I think there are two things here. I think some uh, definitely Republicans haven't wanted to increase the, the corporate tax rate, but some Democrats have said, look, I don't really want to go higher than 25 percent as the as the as the actual rate. And then from 25 percent, you can go all the way down to the mid teens as far as what uh, companies actually pay. So I think right now um, it's early days. We really don't know how this is going to play out. There's so many moving parts, Brian, as far as how you get this thing passed. But um, you're going to have to navigate the House with a tight majority for the Democrats, and you've got a 50-50 Senate. So, yes, you're right. The actual tax rate that, that corporations will pay will be much less than 28% and, and, and or 25%, whatever the actual rate ends up being. So you're an Invesco, Andy. How do we invest around this? If you say, well, I don't like it or I love it, whatever it may be, but I want to make money off it, how do we do that? So unlike the COVID-19 relief package, which was a huge infusion of cash into the market, um, over $1 trillion going to be spent by October 1 this fiscal year, this is a longer-term job creation spend. So you got to think about where that money is going to go, all the construction that's going to be done, all different things. And you got to be on a long-term player at this point for the infrastructure bill. There's not going to be this big boom at the beginning when this thing passes because the money's not going to spend that fast. So we're looking at a longer-term value play on that um, as well as growth. Andy Blocker of Invesco. Andy, always a pleasure to get your insight and time. Have a great long weekend, Andy. It's going to be a busy one for you, I suspect. Take care. Thanks. All right, you're welcome. Well, while the White House wants to raise taxes on companies to pay for infrastructure, an unbelievable new report coming out of the federal government on unemployment insurance fraud. And the numbers, they're massive. Eamon Javers has been following this story and he joins us now. Eamon, uh, I posted a graphic from a story in the Washington Post yesterday to my Twitter. It shows about 10.5 million Americans are officially unemployed, according to the government, but 18 million Americans are receiving unemployment checks. How? It's a great question, Brian. And the answer, at least in part, is fraud uh, and part of what they call improper payments over at the Department of Labor. And you get the sense now that the U.S. government is just beginning to get its arms around the scale and the potentially enormous scale of the problem with fraud in all of this massive spending that the government has engaged in over the past year to boost the economy. A lot of money moving fast and low, and it gives a lot of opportunity for fraudsters. Take a look at these new numbers now. This is from the Department of Labor's Inspector General, uh, and they issued an updated report yesterday in which they said, as they're trying to calculate the potential for fraud here, that historically, over the past several years, the improper payment rate uh, for unemployment insurance has been higher than 10%. That's over the past several years. And if you apply that to the $896 billion in unemployment insurance funds as part of the CARES Act, you get a figure of about $89 billion, $89 billion of the funds that could be paid improperly as a result of that just sort of benchmark. But what's worse than that, and that's a huge number, they're also saying that their initial pandemic audit here suggests that the improper payments will be higher than 10 percent because of all the unique situations surrounding the COVID relief funds. They're saying that the benchmark of 10 percent is probably going to be a little bit worse than that. They also say, Brian, that they've got now 15,000 investigative items that are open, and that compares to a normal situation of about 100. So just a massive new influx of investigative concern here as they try to get to the bottom of where all this money is going and exactly 
who's getting it and how the government can get its arms around it and make sure it goes to the right people. And, and we can all agree that an apologist will say, well, the 10.5 million unemployed number is low. Okay, we get it. The 10.5 million number is probably low. People jumping out of the workforce, they don't file the paperwork, they, don't, they aren't looking for a job because of pandemic. They're just saying, you know what, I need to stay home because my kids aren't home. We get that. But there's no way, Eamon, according to anything I've read or talked to you about or anybody we've talked to that says the gap is 8 million. There are literally probably millions of people simply ripping off the government and fellow taxpayers right now. Yeah. Is that is that accurate? Yeah, it's probably right. I mean, you're talking about $89 billion. That's a huge number, and it's going to somebody in this country, right? I mean, when you talk to the Department of Labor and you look at their reports, what they're saying is that this falls into a couple of buckets. One of the biggest buckets for unemployment insurance fraud is simply people not reporting when they get a job, right? So they've got the unemployment insurance, and they go out and find work, and they don't report it back, and they double dip. That's relatively common in terms of the types of fraud that they're seeing. Uh, some other types of fraud are people who are uh, not actually looking for work when they're supposed to be or people, uh, you know, ultimately who have gotten a solution somehow uh, and are still collecting yeah. that money. So this is, this is a problem that the government sees on a regular basis. It's just much bigger now because of the enormous and vast scale of the numbers that we're seeing this is, I mean, you think about that, $89 billion, and we're talking about raising all this money through various tax hikes. Maybe if they could just cut down on some of that fraud, it would it would help pay for some of the stuff that we that we want to do. That's pr- I guess, though, Eamon, if we want to say it, yeah. the good news is most of that money probably goes right into the economy, right? I mean, it's probably spent right away. Yeah, like on a... If, you, if all you're worried about is stimulus and the macroeconomic picture, all that money is getting respent, so it's it's doing something in the economy. But if you're concerned about it from a social justice perspective, you, know, you think that people don't necessarily want their government to be sending a lot of money to the wrong people, just as a general benchmark. Well, you throw in another 25 or $30 billion a year in Medicare fraud that you have reported in the past as well. You get a $100 billion a year in fraud. I'm old enough to remember when that was... Real money, Eamon, but I guess I'm just old. Eamon Javers, thank you. Really important nah. story. Yeah, we'll see you, Brian. Thank you. Yeah, all right, Eamon Javers. $100 billion a year in combined unemployment insurance and Medicare fraud. $100 billion. All right, as we head to break, some of your other top stories. Elon Musk been tapped to join the board of Endeavor. They own the UFC and the Miss Universe contest. Companies moving forward with an IPO after scrapping plans in 2019. Also happening... The Verge reporting Apple used Tesla battery packs to store energy at its solar farm in Northern California. Apple announcing the renewable energy project yesterday, but did not mention Tesla in the unveiling. And Miley Cyrus teaming up with Square's cash app to give away a million bucks worth of stock. And the latest example of stocks getting pop culture cred. Cyrus says she made the move to help promote investing among her fans. There you go. We're back after this. NASDAQ futures up 113. Could be a great start to the April, and we're not fooling. We're back after this. All right, time now for your daily vaccination update. Here we go. All right, over 150 million doses administered, 97.5 million people receiving at least one dose, 55 million fully vaccinated. That means 21% of the population over 18 has been fully vaxxed. Also, over over 50% of people over 65 have been vaccinated. Though, yes, there's a lot of talk and attention on cases rising in states like Michigan and New Jersey. Here is the stat 
that matters the most. Hospitalizations, they're down 70% in just three months. There are almost no young people in the hospital anywhere in America, just 0.6% for 100,000 people. And the number of fatalities at nursing homes, down 96% from their highs. So there's some good news on the fight against COVID. All right, on deck, Joe Fahmy of Zor Capital is going to lay out his new market bets for the rest of the year with NASDAQ futures up 137. All right, let's turn now to the markets and your money on the first day of the second quarter. Happy April, everybody. Brian Joe Fahmy is managing director at Zor Capital. In the last 20 years, Joe, April has been the best month for stocks. Do you think this April will mirror that? Yes, I think it will be a strong month. Over the past uh, six weeks or so, we've seen two different markets where technology has been in a correction as seen by the NASA composite, but other sectors such as value and opening up the economy stocks have been in strong uptrends as seen in the S&P 500 and the Dow. But from here, I think technology is going to firm up and it will start to participate again to the upside for three reasons. One, as you mentioned, April over the last 20 years has been the best month and the second best month since 1950. And then also uh, the semiconductor sector tends to be a leading sector, and that is improving technically. And third, uh, the earnings season's coming up so we can focus more on the fundamentals coming up and less on the interest rate picture. Okay, on semiconductors, and I mean on semiconductors, pun intended, Joe, that's one of your favorite picks right now. What, what's it got going on? Uh, I, I love the entire sector. Uh, this is a great company that is starting to shift from their low-margin businesses to more profitable businesses such as automotive and EV. They are technically very strong. They are expected to increase their earnings 90% this year. And there was also some unusual option activity yesterday where there were over 4,000 May 40 calls bought. So overall, I like this picture and uh, I like the sector as uh, chips are going into more than just PCs and smartphones. They are really the leading economic indicator. Who is Vericell and why do you like them? Uh, I love the medical product sector and Vericell uh, believe it or not, it's kind of a reopening play because a lot of elective surgeries were postponed uh, last year, and they have cell therapy products that are involved in repairing uh, patients' tissue. So think, for example, in sports medicine, where they can take some of the uh, cartilage and regrow it and implant it back into the patient, also with uh, skin uh, for burn uh, victims for repairing skin and so forth. Again, technically, it's a very strong stock. Uh, they recently upped their guidance in their last earnings. They have no debt. They are uh, running at strong profit margins. And I think this is a stock mm -hmm. that can be up 30 to 50% over the next year or so. Wow. Big call there. Vericell on semiconductor. Joe Fahmy likes the return to growth, if you will, in the best month for stocks last 20 years. Joe, thank you for coming on. As always, buddy, getting up early. We appreciate it. Take care. Thank you. All right, you're welcome. Well, that does it for us here at Worldwide Exchange. And for me, for a while, actually, tomorrow's Good Friday. The markets are closed, and I'm off the next week. So I will see you back on April 12th. Thank you very much for joining us. Have a good holiday, a good Good Friday, a good Easter. Squawk Box is next. I will see you in...
two Mondays. Take care. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.